Saint Teresa of Avila once said, the feeling remains that God is on the journey too. Welcome to the 67th episode of Saint Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want us all to remember that God is with us in our suffering, especially when it doesn't feel like it. He never leaves us. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, a big one for everyone who is extremely online. A new study has come out indicating that time spent on smartphones is not related to bad mental health. Could it be true? We'll let the conversation.com fill us in. Our team conducted two studies that directly measured the time people spend on their smartphones each day for a week to understand the relationship with mental health. Participants either installed an app or provided data from Apple Screen Time that directly logged every interaction and how long they used their device. The first study recruited 46 Android users and the second 199 iPhone users. We found that on average, people spent about four hours a day on their smartphones, picking them up between 85 and 133 times. However, the amount of use did not predict a person's anxiety, depression, or stress levels when asked to rate their symptoms on a clinical questionnaire. We also considered whether our findings would change if smartphone use was measured differently. As is common in the majority of existing research, we asked people to fill in rating scales that asked them how problematic they believed their smartphone used to be. Alongside this, we also asked people to estimate how much time they spent on their phone each day. We found across both studies that such problematic use scales produced larger associations with mental health symptoms than estimates or direct logs of smartphone use. In some cases, the strength of the relationship between usage and mental health symptoms was four times higher than what we found when compared with direct logs of use. So back to me, it looks then like the thought that our use of smart, our smartphone is problematic by our own self-assessment and then using our phones is the thing that links to worsening mental health more so than the actual time spent on the device, if that makes sense, which is a good thing to point out here. This study isn't saying that we should all just have a free for all and go nuts when it comes to spending time on our screens, but rather that it's vitally important for us to pay attention to our own assessment of things and to respect our conscience when it says something might be problematic. Even if we may be using our smartphones a small amount relative to the average, remember, you are the best expert on yourself. On to the next topic with our Thanksgiving alone in the books and our Christmas alone coming up shortly. I wanted to take a look at how the COVID pandemic is exacerbating mental health symptoms for those of us who have experienced symptoms in the past. CAP Radio provides the details. People with a mental health condition may be more prone to the so-called holiday blues, which are often tied to financial strain, loneliness, colder weather, and other factors. 64% of people with a mental illness report the holidays make their condition worse, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Millions of Americans also experience seasonal affective disorder, a type of depression causing symptoms that begin in the, in the fall and then last until spring or summer. Experts say all of these factors are likely to be exact exacerbated during the COVID-19 pandemic when people are feeling unprecedented levels of stress. Many are also cut off from their support networks and social outlets. Mental health professionals are anticipating a rise in suicide related to the crisis, and many helplines have been flooded with demand. 
Experts recommend calling your isolated loved ones this holiday season and connecting with friends and family virtually if you're experiencing anxiety, depression, loneliness, or other emotional challenges. So me again, we spend so much of our time and mental energy right now thinking about and planning for ways to stay safe during this COVID pandemic. But how much time do each of us spend thinking about how to take care of our mental and emotional well-being? How many of us have taken steps to ensure we have a plan for what to do when the loneliness becomes overwhelming? As we approach another holiday where many of us will be staying home instead of spending time with loved ones, we have to have all of our plans in place before the going gets tougher. Keep in touch with friends and family. Keep getting exercise and getting outside in a safe manner. And if things have been really hard, keep that crisis hotline number in your phone ready to reach out to whenever the need arises. And if you feel like you've been doing well throughout all of this, consider reaching out to someone you might know who's really lonely and in need of company. Even a phone call can make a huge difference. As we continue through this time of difficult decisions about solitary holidays, let's all pray that the Blessed Virgin Mary may watch over us, keep us safe, and pour her Son's grace into our hearts, minds, and souls. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request. And today I'm going to introduce you to Servant of God, Sister Thea Bowman. In 1937, in Wazoo City, Mississippi, Bertha Bowman was the daughter of a dad who was a doctor and a mom who was a teacher. She was raised Methodist, uh, but converted with her parents' permission to the Catholic faith and then joined the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration at La Crosse, Wisconsin. She was an incredible teacher, educating students everywhere from elementary school all the way up to grad school, and she herself earned a PhD in English in 1972, writing her doctoral thesis on Thomas More. We turn to Wikipedia. In his book, Eleven Modern Mystics, Victor M. Parachin, a meditation teacher, notes her impact upon Catholic liturgical music in providing an intellectual, spiritual, historical, and cultural foundation for developing and legitimizing a distinct worship form for black Catholics. Bowman had explained, quote, when we understand our history and culture, then we can develop the ritual, the music, and the devotional expression that satisfy us in the church. Bowman became instrumental in the publication of a 1987 uh, new Catholic hymnal called Lead Me, Guide Me, the African-American Catholic hymnal, the first such work dedicated to the black community. According to Christopher Pramuk, author of Hope Sings So Beautiful, Graced Encountered Across the Color Line, arguably no person in recent memory did more to resist and transform the sad legacy of segregation and racism in the Catholic Church than Thea Bowman, who inspired millions with her singing and message of God's love for all races and faiths. Sister Thea awakened a sense of fellowship in people, both within and well beyond the Catholic world, first and foremost through her charismatic presence. In an interview with Mike Wallace on 60 Minutes, Sister Thea once said, I think the difference between me and some people is that I'm content to do my little bit. Sometimes people think they have to do big things in order to make change. But if each one would light a candle, we'd have a tremendous light. 
She certainly accomplished all of that and so much more. And today we look to her as a sign of strength, perseverance, someone who deeply believed and understood in God's providence playing out in her life, and someone who's a powerful intercessor for all of us as we walk along our journey today. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. Gracious God, imbue us with the grace and perseverance that you gave your servant, Sister Thea. For in turbulent times of racial injustice, she sought equity, peace, and reconciliation. In times of intolerance and ignorance, she brought wisdom, awareness, unity, and charity. In times of pain, sickness, and suffering, she taught us how to live fully until called home to the land of promise. If it be your will, O God, glorify our beloved Sister Thea by granting the favor I now request through her intercession that everyone listening to the podcast today feel an emotional and mental peace wash over them so that they may all know her goodness and holiness and may imitate her love for you and your church. We ask this through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Anonymous gets us started. Have you ever reviewed Psych K? It's another modality that creates new connections within the brain that can stop those ongoing negative stories we tell ourselves. Within the modality, they talk a lot about asking permission to the universal consciousness to do the work of the client's highest good. To me, that's God, and he assists through the intercession of the Holy Spirit. As a faithful Catholic who uses Psych K as a student and facilitator, I know it has helped me significantly with my depression, but I still worry that because it attracts a lot of new age people I might be led astray somehow would love your thoughts thank you anonymous for the question it's exciting for me because I hadn't looked into this modality before and your question gave me the opportunity to do so so thanks let's start by joining in prayer together for anonymous and everyone who finds something helpful but has concerns and questions about if it may be compatible with the faith that God may make all things clear and give all of his children peace our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Let's kick things off with some help from the Psychology Wiki and get some definitions here. Psych K stands for psyche, which means the mind, right? And K meaning key, meaning the key to your mind. It's a self-help tool developed by Robert M. Williams in 1988 with the goal of changing beliefs in the subconscious mind. Subconscious beliefs that are often invisible cause uh, a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors, right? And the Psych K program was designed to help people change the way they feel, behave, and interact in life. Most traditional tools such as insight therapy, affirmation, willpower, journaling, and visualization are limited to the conscious mind. Psych K focuses on changing subconscious beliefs with the hope of likewise changing behavior, feelings, and interpretations in life. This enables the individual to change his state of mind at the first indication of stress. 
In Psych K, kinesiology is used to communicate with the subconscious mind. Specific body postures and movements cause neuron firings in both hemispheres of the brain, creating a state in which change can more readily occur. The creator of the program claims that using this method, it's possible for subconscious beliefs to be recognized and a debilitating belief to be replaced with one that's more desirable. A unique aspect of Psych K is that permission step that's included to ensure that the changes are in the best interest of the person at that time. So I, I believe the permission step is what you're referring to in your question. And as I've said before, here's the deal. When looking for a therapeutic modality that will help us best, we have to consider our personality. We have to consider the way we conceptualize the world and how it works. And we have to make a decision based on that because the approach that lines up best with our personality is the one that's going to have the best impact for us. It sounds like to me that you've found benefit from Psych K and that's awesome. And it also sounds like you're a serious Catholic who knows the importance of the faith and also understands that truth and goodness can be taken out of certain things while perhaps other parts of it might need to be left behind. Just because something sounds new agey or attracts new agey people doesn't mean it's bad, but it does mean that we should have our antenna up paying attention at all times to ensure we're taking away what we can from the technique while staying close to our faith and the truths that our faith teaches. That being said, I, th I think it's worth noting for everyone listening that there seems to be very little scientific research into Site K, even though it's been around since 1988. And when you start looking into things, there's actually a lot of skepticism around this approach. Something I like to think of about is this. If a therapeutic approach combines traditional therapeutic techniques like positive affirmations or trying to reconstruct our thinking or our interpretation of events, etc., with something else like body movements, poses, uh, etc., it's vital that research is done to make sure that the impact is greater than simply using those therapeutic techniques alone. Otherwise, we might be like paying extra money for all these add-ons that don't actually do anything and do anything more than what traditional therapeutic techniques alone might accomplish. But again, if a therapeutic modality is working for you and you're able to find the, the way to get the help that you need from it while also maintaining your closeness to the truth of your faith, it's all good. I hope that makes sense and I wish you all the best. Carly is up next. Listening to the SDP has helped me open up to the idea of taking medication for my depression and anxiety, which has worsened lately. I've been in therapy for a few years, among other coping strategies I've tried, but it's really been leaning into my faith uh, that has been my biggest source of relief and peace. Now that I'm starting medication, I'm worried that my dependence on Christ will lessen. I don't want to stay in an unhealthy place, but I also don't want my faith to go back to what it was before I was really struggling. So let's start by joining in prayer together for Carly and all of us who have grown closer to Christ in our suffering and sometimes have concerns that relief from our suffering might lead to less dependence on Christ. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. First of all, I want to say what a wonderful example you are to all of us. You've taken steps to reach out for help through working on coping skills, reaching out for therapy, and reaching out for medication when you realized it might be necessary. And all of that is such a positive thing, not only for yourself, but for all of us who are benefiting from witnessing your strength. So, so thank you. Your question is one that I feel deeply in my heart and I think a lot of us wrestle with. We enter into a time of suffering in our lives and slowly but surely by the grace of God, we see that suffering can actually be something that leads us closer to him. When we're in a difficult spot and we lose so much of what we care about, we can start to find that we have nothing left but God. 
we can start to feel like there's nothing to do but fall into his arms, trust him, and that's all we've got because everything else is gone. So we get to that point and we feel that while the suffering sucks, it's brought us closer to him uh, more than ever before in a mystical sort of way. But then we start to think, well, so why would I want relief from my suffering if it's the very thing that brought me closer to God? What happens when things start going good in life? What happens when I have peace, financial security, good relationships, etc.? Will I lose my dependence on God and my closeness to him because things are going well? This can then lead to a very unhealthy desire of actually wanting suffering because we think that's the only means that God uses to bring us close to him. But boy, oh boy, do we limit God when we see things in this way. Yes, God allows suffering as a way of bringing us closer to him. I've seen it in my own life and you've seen it in yours. But he also uses healing, joy, peace, happiness, blessings, and every other good thing to bring us closer to him as well. And for many of us who've been touched by a suffering so deep that we had nothing left but God, we can start to see those blessings, joys, and happinesses in a new light, in a way that allows us to see them correctly and allows us to see uh, that we can be brought closer to God through those good things, just like we were through suffering. So be brave. Be open to what God will use in your life to bring you closer to him, be it suffering, be it healing, be it tears or laughter. God can use it all. Anonymous wraps us up. How do we address people within the church who congratulate us on having depression because all the great saints had the dark night of the soul, so it means you're extra blessed? Oh boy, let's all join together in prayer for Anonymous, for support for those of us reaching out for mental health treatment and support for our symptoms, and for an end to stigma in our church and our world. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. So those of you who have listened to the podcast for some time are probably bracing yourselves for my response to this question because, man, oh man, does this situation really tick me off. Let's start with some definitions to help temper my frustration with people congratulating those of us who are suffering from mental health symptoms. All right, we'll take it easy here. From Wikipedia, The Dark Night of the Soul is a poem written by the 16th century Spanish mystic and poet St. John of the Cross. In Catholic spirituality, the term Dark Night of the Soul describes a spiritual crisis in the journey toward God, uh, toward union with him, like that described by St. John of the Cross in his poem. St. Therese of Lisieux also spoke of this. Her dark night derived from the doubt of the existence of eternity, to which doubt she nonetheless did not give intellectual or volitional assent, but rather prevailed by a deepening of her Catholic faith. However, she painfully suffered through this prolonged period of spiritual darkness, even declaring to her fellow nuns, quote, if you only knew what dark I am plunged into. So first, 
It's important to realize here that the dark night of the soul is nothing that we would congratulate someone about. It's a painful, dark spiritual experience that isn't nice. Sure, it may have uh, been present in the lives of multiple great saints, and it may have been a part of their spiritual journey and the deepening of their relationship with God, but it isn't pleasant. And therefore, we shouldn't be saying something like, boy, God must really love you to let you go through such a dark and miserable experience. I mean, come on, guys. Second, it's important for us to differentiate this idea of the dark night with the experience of mental illness. They are not the same. Suffering in general, which can lead us closer to God, is not the dark night of the soul, and the two shouldn't be conflated. To suggest that we're extra blessed because God has allowed us to experience mental health symptoms is especially painful. Can you imagine a friend saying, well, the tests are in and I have cancer, and then us responding with, holy smokes, congratulations, God. God must love you a lot to let you go through something like this. No, that would be absolutely repugnant. And the same goes for psychological distress. Mental health symptoms like depression should instead be met with compassion, love, understanding, empathy, and assistance with getting the person who is suffering contacted and connected to the proper help that will bring them peace and consolation. The peace and consolation that God so desperately wants them to experience rather than actively pushing them to continue suffering because of some backward understanding of God's relationship with his creation. Okay, <laughs> take a deep breath, right? <laughs> All right, everyone. So that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves, take care of yourselves, and if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you, and so will St. Dymphna.